Jones. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And you know, this is my Christmas show. That's what I'm just thinking. I'm recording it. I actually fly out tomorrow. And it's weird because for years, I was afraid to fly. And I think, and then when I started dating Joanna, I flew once a month for two years. And I figured out I was never really afraid to fly. I was afraid of the preparation to get ready to fly. Because you sit there and you pack and you think you're going to forget something. And then I never, I never put it together. You know, I... I was visiting her in the suburbs of New Jersey, right near where I grew up, a very nice town. There are stores there, okay? It's not like I'm going to go and sit there, and if I forgot my toothbrush, I'm not going to the Congo. I can find a toothbrush. I don't need someone to whittle me something out of bark. So that's just funny. Now, I'm like, I'm not even packed. I mean, I have my stuff on her bed. We're checking a bag because we never do that, but she's all worried because we have a 45-minute layover in Dallas. And I just said, hey, if you pay for it, that's fine. I don't care. So, uh, so yeah, so I hope I have a good flight. And uh, it's funny because my guest today, Philip, Philip Keene. How you doing, Philip? Great. How are you? T- now, now you're, you're, you fly, right? I did. I used to. I was a flight attendant for Pan Am the last four years of the company's existence. And uh, I was working on getting my private pilot's license. And September 9th of 2001 was the last uh, training flight that I took. And I bounced my way down the runway. And thought I'd give it a break for a couple of days. And, of course, the horrible events of September 11th happened. And I just kind of hung up my wings after that. Now, were you ever, I mean, as a flight attendant, mm-hmm. you fly all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, were you ever, like, before you got into that job, were you ever afraid of flying? I mean, what what makes someone, what what made you go into being a flight attendant? I mean, did you love, did you love I flying? I always loved traveling. I think the first flight I took was in 1969 to Managua, Nicaragua. And I moved down there to live with my aunt and uncle. And ever since then, I, I think I was bitten by the travel bug. And so when I was 21, I got the job with Pan Am, moved to London, and uh, the next four years were just a whirlwind of travel and uh, dinners and clubs, and it was a lot of fun. It must be great because you know you sit there. It's like my my girlfriend used to be a, a for one year was a private flight attendant. Oh, okay. And she would go places, but she says it would stink because it was just like the pilot and the other pilot and yeah. her. And so she would be at these beautiful places. It's a and, small group, right? Yeah, yeah. I had to be by yourself. Yeah. So now, now, now you, you're, you were a flight attendant, but now as a kid, I mean, at one point you wanted to go into acting. Yeah. As a kid, were you, were you drawn to the arts or as a kid? I mean, how was your upbringing? Did you want to act or did you want to get into I the business? I always wanted to, but um, I was the first person in my family to graduate from high school. Okay. Uh, my grandmother finished the sixth grade. She used to ride a horse to school. Uh, and my mom uh, was kicked out of school, out of a public school, mind you. Now, where'd you grow up? Uh, Hollywood, in Central America, and then Orange County. So, but in, in high, but your mom yeah. was in, in. She was growing. It was in Santa Ana in the '60s. I think it was 1962 or '63. She was kicked out of high school because her skirt didn't touch the ground when they when when they knelt on the lawn. It's a public high school. Now, no, that, that's that just amazes me. It's like that seems like something they would say. Okay, you know what? Uh, Go home, yeah. change your skirt. It's just weird how schools have changed and just how schools, how people dress. I mean, when I went to school, you know, it was the 80s. Mm-hmm. People, you know, I mean, I graduated high school in 82. Uh, yeah. We dressed, you know, the girls wore the, you know, the Pat Benatar look, the guys. Yes. We wore the, the, you know, the, says we got older, the Don Johnson look. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was, but we always wanted to look good when we went to school. And your mom probably looked good. It's just, it's a skirt. It's no big deal. Yeah, and it was 63. I mean, those were the women's fashions at the time for for a lot of the younger women. and. It was just funny. I mean, her hair was probably bigger than her skirt was at the time. <laughs> you know, she had this huge bouffant at the time. So, so now, so so you went, so you were the first to graduate high school. Yes, and, and then I went on to college after I had finished my job with uh, with Pan Am, and went to school. Went to UCLA in my thirties, and there were oftentimes where my professors or the people teaching the classes were younger than I was. So it was kind of weird. See that? Yeah, that, that, that'd be weird. Cause you know, you sit there and if I, when I went to college, I went to a school, a small school in New Jersey and we had a lot of people who come in from the casinos. It was mm-hmm. right near Atlantic city. And it would always freak us out. Cause we always called them the, uh, the curve busters. Like, like we're on a Thursday night, you know, we're getting oh, hammered, yeah, yeah. you know, and we're like, wait a second. Oh wait, there's that guy. You know, he, he's wearing a suit. Wait, he's in class with a suit. We know he's going to get a hundred and unfortunately, well, you know, I mean, I did good in school, but mm-hmm. that's why you're supposed to go to college to get good grades. Yeah, but I think for, for a lot of people, it's a mistake to go right after high school because they don't know why why they're there, what is it they want to do with their lives. I didn't go until my 30s. I don't recommend that for everybody, but I knew at that point what I wanted to do and why I was there. Now, but I was reading, I don't know if it's always true mm-hmm. on, on, you know, when you read Wikipedia, yeah. but it said you went to study history and art history? Yeah, it was a double major, history and art history. And I went to school primarily just to have the experience of the education. Um, I wasn't looking to get a job out of it as a result. 
But those are two subjects that have always interested me, and I continue to read about them. What in art history do you love? It's, it's a little obscure. It's a 17th century Dutch painting, now, how if do, you will. Now, how do you get into that? And that's something that, see, I love I love obscure stuff. Uh-huh. I'm like the king of obscurity. Like, I can name the whole Barney Miller cast, okay. you know, stuff like that. I love when people find something obscure mm-hmm. and they really enjoy it. And it's better when no one else really enjoys it because then you're like, okay, so yeah. I'm not going to find some idiot who thinks he knows everything. How did you, I mean, because it seems, it seems intriguing. How did you just find that art form? I was lucky enough, I moved to Amsterdam after living in London for six months and fell in love with the city and got to walk all over the place and went to the Rijksmuseum and Rembrandt's and, and, and just all these different places. And the city itself is like a, a museum, if you will. And when I found this class at UCLA, I fell in love with it. And it was Holland's golden age. And they ruled the seas and they pretty much you know, ruled the trade of, of every place in the world. And uh, they were at the height of their powers. And as a result, all the artwork that, that was painted at the time is a reflection of that. And so it's it's cool for me because it brings together history and art and what's going on politically and socially and in and, and, and religion. Every aspect of human life is, is recorded there on that canvas. So now you're in college, you have this, this major, mm-hmm. and now you've already traveled a lot you've yeah. lived you lived in different places mm-hmm. so you you've lived i mean by this time you've lived a life that most people would even would just sit there and go i would love to live that i mean oh, yeah i mean so many people you I mean you lived in london you mm-hmm. lived in central america you know you, you mean you know how did you end up in central america my aunt married a man from that part of the world and in, in two different instances i went to live with her and he lived at one point in managua nicaragua and then another point in uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. So I just ended up staying with them for a couple of years. And you speak fluent Spanish. I used to speak fluent Spanish, and now it's gotten a little rusty because I don't use it very much. Now, how about German? German, it's uh, more conversational now. So now, how did you learn to German? I took it in college and then uh, would travel to uh, Germany quite a bit when I was flying, and so I picked up a little bit here and there. And it's so close to English. It's just, it's really easy. See, it's so weird. It's so and it's funny. Like growing up, when I was younger, I think I took French in high school instead mm-hmm. of Spanish. And looking back, if I knew I was going to end up living in LA, I mm-hmm. would have said definitely take Spanish because you know when I talk to people back east, they don't understand how much I mean how much Spanish is spoken around you. Well, just pronouncing the street names out here can be a bit of a challenge, you know? <laughs> so so you're in college and you graduate. Yeah. And so you have your degree. Mm-hmm. First guy, in your first not only to graduate high school, but first to graduate college. Yeah, absolutely. Which is quite an accomplishment. Yep. And so you you have that. You've already lived around the world. Mm-hmm. You've, you've flown around the world. I mean, Now how, I have to decide what is it I want to do when I grow up. Right, All exactly. Right? So, well, I mean, you had the career. I mean, being a flight attendant is a career. So it was. You, you yeah. were working and mm-hmm. you had a career. So yeah, so... Where, how to, cause the acting, cause you've had, you've had a great career. I mean, you know, it, it's something that, you know, I mean, I always say, and we'll talk about that, but it, you know, your IMDb credits mm-hmm. aren't a ton, No, but you've worked constantly consistently for, for the last 12 years, Yeah, which is yeah. just amazing, which is sitting there. It's like, I always compare it to like a, like a Patricia Heaton, you know, mm-hmm. she goes from everyone loves Raymond and then goes into the, it the, just doesn't stop the middle. Yeah. So, so now you're, you're 31 when you graduate college. Uh, thereabouts. Yeah. A little, little older. Yeah. You have your degree in art history, which mm-hmm. you don't really want to do, but you just no. want, to get, you want to get your knowledge. Yes. So now what goes in your mind? Where do you, where do you go? And you're in LA yeah. and you're a good looking guy. So it's a matter of, you know, you can, you have avenues. What, what, what do you decide to do? Well, at that point, um, I'd already been working in the restaurant business for, for quite a bit. I mean, so it was the typical actor sort of, you know, tending bar, waiting tables and, and doing things like that. But, um, I was lucky enough to be in a position where I could devote all of my time to pursuing this career. And it just so happens right as I graduated from college, some good friends of mine who were producers, um, I've been keeping them apprised of what it was that I was doing. So I was taking acting classes in addition to going to school and booked a commercial and a couple of other student films. And they said, look, there's this tiny role in the show that we're going to be writing. Uh, would you like to do it? So I did an audition. They kind of wrote it for me. So you- and they handed it to me. Green is your shirt. Okay, so yeah, okay, so so you you'd had some commercials. Yes. But you really hadn't been on stage. You really, no. a, a, a student film is a lot different than a Very different, production. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. student film's like, yeah. hey guys, guys, I got a camera. I, mean, I didn't know how to read a call sheet the first day I got on the set. Really? Yeah. So so your friends here come up and they say, hey, hey, we, we, we have a small, so you're thinking it might be, first of all, you must be intrigued, you must be like happy because you're like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. But you, so you think it's just going to be a, Maybe a one-off, you know, yeah. and they say, well, we can't pay you a lot, but this would be great experience for you. And if you do okay, then maybe we'll keep you. And here I am 12 years later. So that was for The Closer? Yes, for The Closer. Now, 
what I mean, what did they tell you? Your, your how is your role going? I mean, when they when you came in, mm-hmm. what did you? I mean, you probably didn't know how to read sides or anything. You probably like, no. what the hell is a side? What's yes. this? You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you know, people people who aren't in the business and you're training, they don't understand like how much goes into it. And there's etiquette on set as well. I mean, you you, you obviously don't walk in when the red lights flashing on the outside of the door, those kind of things. But also trying to figure out who does what on the crew. You know, a grip and a best boy and all your different departments and there are like over 300 people who work on our show just to make it happen. So you go in and you're probably thinking, well, I'll see what, I mean, that's like anything, you know, and I think it's better that you were older when you got the part. Cause mm-hmm. when, when you're young, you think, Hey, I got this one line. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to make something I'm out of done. it. And that's the mistake. I think a lot of actors make yeah. is that they want to create that <laughs> moment. You just have to let it be. You, you can't push it or force it. So you go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you had one line. Yes, it was. Uh, yes, ma'am. That was it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much it. Yeah. And you were the character was though. You... Yeah. So I was a civilian techie who had worked for Scientific Investigation Division, which is a real department in in the LAPD. Um, but major crimes, this particular division requested his talents as a filmmaker, if you will, because the character's backstory is that he went to film school, and for various reasons, he ended up working for the LAPD, not as a cop, but in that position of being able to record and and document things. So you have that, and now when do you find that you are going to be more than one episode? Well, this was after the first uh, season, and my first big scene was actually with Kira Sedgwick, which in its uh, and J.K. Simmons was in the room, and so some pretty heavy hitters. And I got to tell I you, I was a little intimidated. That cast, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, the cast is great. You guys have a great cast. We really do. We're like a family. I mean, like J.K. Simmons. I mean, he was in Police Academy. I mean, yeah. you know, you sit there and you go, No, that's G.W. Bailey. Oh, no, I'm sorry, G.W. Okay, yes. I'm sorry. Oh no, J.K. Simmons is later went on. Yeah, to, Whiplash. Yes, you yes. know that little that shiny that, thing. I never heard won. of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, I, I get the name screwed yeah. up because, but but I'm saying, but the cast has always been great. So you you're the first season, you come in, you not you're not on it. The second season, you come in. First season, I'm on it. But, I am, but 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 very small. So then, how does it get to you where they sit there and go? Because for an actor, it must mm-hmm. be hard because you're on a show, and one yes. you don't know if it's going to get picked up until you're like, am I going to come back? Mm-hmm. And your your role, you know, is important, but mm-hmm. you never know how a producer might go. Uh, exactly. Maybe they want someone to come to rotate in and out of this position, but they, what they wanted was a familiar face that they could have there and not pay a lot of money, to okay. be honest. Okay. So I'm thinking, this is perfect for me. Um, I'm going to try and make as little noise po- as possible. I'm not going to try and break anything. And so I really did take those first three or four years um, as a learning opportunity and sat with different departments on the days that I was not working and sat with costumes on a number of days, sat with camera departments, sat with lighting, and just watched how all the different pieces came together. Because coming late to the party, I need to know who all the players are. Now, did you really feel, I mean, because it was so such good to be a hands-on experience, did you feel like you were learning every day? I mean, you seemed like you were very eager to learn, which is great. Very much so, yeah. I mean, there was always something to pick up and learning what to do as well as what not to do. Uh, the show has been really, really great about vetting who comes to play through with us. And we don't have any, uh, any bad players, if you will. So on the rare occasion that somebody maybe had fooled the producers into thinking they were nicer than they actually were, it was a great example of how not to behave on set and how not to treat people. So you're sitting there, what was, what was one of the, like when you would watch the departments, mm-hmm. cause I always wonder, cause you're, you're an actor. Yes. What was one of the departments like that? you liked the most? Like you sat there and went, mm-hmm. wow. Like, I mean, I mean, I know you wouldn't want to be a grip because no. they worked their asses off. Exactly. And, but I mean, mm-hmm. what were some of the part where you went, you sat down and you went, man, you know what? If, if I wasn't acting, mm-hmm. I would like to do this. I've always liked uh, clothes. So uh, working with the wardrobe department and, and seeing how every single department helps to tell that story. So from the cut of the clothes to the colors that they're wearing, um, and figuring out what the character is is like from a socioeconomic level or what their educational background is can really be told also through their clothing. Uh, and you, you can pinpoint. And just from the description, just reading, learning to analyze the script and looking at the dialogue of the character, it forms you so much so. Uh, and also with the lighting, it it's helps set the mood. It tells the story as well. So it's not just the words on the page and the actors. Everyone else is really contributing. So you're doing that, and I and the clothes, and you look very dapper today. Oh, like, you. Thank you, very much. you pulled out the pockets were good, and, yes. and, you, and the vest, and it looks good. People, he's wearing this nice uh, brown. Uh, it's a is it a wool? Is it's it a, a yeah, it's a wool. It's like a window pane check. And it's very nice, and uh, and he's you know he he looks very dapper. Me, I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans, but oh well, you know. <laughs> but so so you're doing that. So you're you're going through, and you're you're feeling confident. Now mm-hmm. you're feeling at home more yes. because you know and. 
you're, and they haven't kicked me out, which right. is great. Yes. <laughs> and you're learning your chops. Yes. You're getting those acting chops, mm-hmm. which when you started, you were just a fawn. Yes. And now you're saying, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this. And you're probably getting more confident every day. Yes. Okay. So now I'm what- still making mistakes along the way. Let's be honest. You know, I, 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 I had a few little flubs here and there. And as, as we get older, we, we learn hopefully from our mistakes and I, I'm still trying to do that. Yeah. How would you recover from a flub? Like, um, ask to do it again. Okay. Yeah. Because I always think it must be weird when it, when you're on the set and if the scene's like perfect and mm-hmm. you just screw up one line, which in all honesty, most people won't notice, but there are those people out there that will go, oh, he said- I can't believe he did that. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, I mean, that must be hard. I mean, it, it must be hard when you're new mm-hmm. to sit there and go- There's a lot of pressure too. And because of the relationships I have with a lot of the producers and other people in the, in the company, I felt it is- uh, especially important for me not to make too many mistakes. Okay. But one of the biggest mistakes that I made was not asking enough questions. See, that's so funny because we think about that and my mom, thank God, always said, you know, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. But then also, if you ask too much, then you you, feel... you have to balance out. You're absolutely right. Your mom was right. But you have to ask those questions. Otherwise, you're never going to learn those kinds of things. So you're sitting there now. What season did your part start growing bigger? Season four, they made me a series regular. Okay, So, so now... rather than being paid on a weekly or, or episodic basis, um, I got the status of series regular. So I didn't have to park in the garage across the street anymore. <laughs> did you have to, you have to do that? Did you? Have... Oh, yeah, yeah. So you would, you would go to the... To, I would get there an hour early because sometimes the parking garage across the street, it's like six levels. I'd have to go all the way to the top and circle for 30 <laughs> minutes before I could find a spot. And this was after your third season. Oh, yeah. I still, mean, yeah. That's funny because no, I've, I've gone through those lots and you're right. You sit there mm-hmm. and you're like, you get there early because you're true. And now you, it was this, is, has it always shot at Rally? Yes. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah, so then they have the different lots. Yeah. So finally, now how do they break it to you? Like, mm-hmm. is it something where they say, okay, Philip, here's the deal. We've decided to make you, or did they tell you a reason why? Or The end of season three, they said, uh, you know, you're doing doing pretty well. You're doing a good job here. And um, the opportunity for a series regular position may come up. Because at that point, I'd done every single episode of the show. So technically, I wasn't on paper a series regular, but I'd done every single episode. Uh, but that means uh, a different pay scale and parking on the lot and a trailer, which is great. So now, now, yeah, I mean, what, what is in those trailers? Like when you're like your trailer, is there, it's a study in beige. Okay. Okay. So there's, there's beige <laughs> floors and beige walls and, and a beige like bank cat that's shaped like an L and then a bathroom, uh, with a little sliding pocket door. Uh, there's a really kind of a funky shower in there. And the last two years they redid our trailers. They made them look a little nicer. But one thing they took out, they took out the fan in the bathroom, which is not really a good thing. Oh, that's so funny. The fans are the bathroom. Like our, our apartment, our, our downstairs, well, downstairs, the fan's really loud. And upstairs, it's loud, but not as loud. Yeah. But my girlfriend always complains. She's like doing her makeup. I can't. I, I, I say, hey, honey, honey, I can't hear you. The fan's too loud. Yeah. But I said, would you rather not have a fan? And it's true. You'd rather deal with the noise than have a... Well, it's not so much the noise as it, as it is what the fan can actually do for that little tiny space. Right. Oh, yeah. Unless you've, you've been in there for a little while. You know you know what I'm talking about. And you don't want to invite guests into your trailer because <laughs> you need to light a lot of candles, right? So so now you've become a season regular, yeah. seriously, even though you've been on the whole time. Now, are you getting recognized by people? Because I think your show is one of those shows that, the the especially the, the, when the before Major Crimes mm-hmm. The Closer, you had a very, uh, I think a crowd that really enjoyed it. I think and sometimes these shows that are on different networks mm-hmm. have a, a crowd that's, they watch it and they like it and they, they just, it's a certain niche audience. Absolutely. Yeah. We, and, and it's getting to be more and more so, especially now that it's season, well, technically season 11 of the show, people do recognize us a lot. And I get to hang out with a lot of my coworkers off of set where we've become really good friends and we go out to restaurants together. We, we went out to the theater last night. We went out to LATC to see, to see a show. And so they look at us and they say, oh, my God, you guys, you're hanging out together. You really are that nice. You guys really do like each other. So, yeah, that, that's great. Though. I mean, that's what, what better way to have a job where everyone gets along. You don't yeah. want to be like, you know, like I always say there's like. The we go on vacations together. We go to, to each other's homes and we hang out. So it's, it's fun. See, now that's so cool. So now what kind of were you getting reckoned when you start getting recognized? Mm-hmm. What was that like? I mean, because you're. You're new to this business and all, yes. and you know, and like anything, and as I said, the fans are probably more no or more when it's a, when it has a smaller following. The mm-hmm. fans are yeah, it's a very, very niche dedicated. audience, and like a lot of uh, uh of people, 
when they're watching a, a film star, for instance, let's say a Matt Damon or or a Kate Ban- Kate Blanchett, they will be very respectful of their personal space for the most part and say hi and and talk to them. But when you're on television, I don't think no, it doesn't matter what show you're on because you are in their homes on a more regular basis. They come up and they touch you. Okay, see, which which can get a little freaky sometimes, but you always want to be thankful that that someone is is saying nice things to you and be respectful of them, but you also have to be a little cautious. Yeah, that that's the one thing that would always that would always scare me. It's like that, you know, people that's they like most people won't come up and touch you. Like mm-hmm. we we were talking to someone the other day who was pregnant, and I thought I felt you know the yeah. baby. Because I know them. Yeah, of course. But I'm not going to go up and go, hey, are you pregnant? Feel yeah, the baby. No, no, no. And I'm not going to go up to a, an actor and say, you know, hey, hey, you know, how you doing? So I mean, how do you adjust to that? I mean, especially because it was, as I said, it was new. I mean, you- Oh, you... very new for me. But I had a friend, uh, his name is Bill Brockchop, and he was on NYPD Blue for, for years, for I over a decade. I just talked to him Oh, today. did you? He's going to be on the show January 6th. Oh, fantastic. He plays Dr. Joe on our show. Right. And so while I was still in college and I, I'd known him- and we would go out to dinner with uh, with him and some other friends, and people would come up to him and, and recognize him from the show. And I took a cue from him, because I really did. I, I learned from from Bill Brockchop and, and how to thank people, but also show them that I'm having my dinner now. Thank you so much for the attention. That's great, and, and that's, that's very nice, but I need my space now. So so as, as a role's growing bigger, mm-hmm. now the clothes are around for how many seasons? Seven and a half. Okay, so now you're you're serious. End of our fourth. Yes, go ahead. No, I'm so glad you're so fourth season. You were four seasons on major crimes now. Yeah, right. Now you, but you were in the fourth season. You became a season regular on the closer. Mm -hmm. Now, did you feel your role getting bigger? Yes, I did. At that point, they had given my character a uh, a giant camera that weighed about twelve pounds, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) which you know isn't that heavy when you think about it. But if you're holding it in a certain position all day long, take after take after take, it gets a little heavy. Uh, but they gave him that camera so that he could document the crime scenes and then play them back in the electronics room uh, and, and make recordings of all our interviews. Some people call them interrogations, but we'd like to call them interviews. It doesn't seem as ominous. Yeah, true. Now, now, now do you uh, do you enjoy the technical world? Like when you were doing this, did you actually were you actually recording it or was that? Yes, I've learned to operate that camera pretty well. So that's see, that's cool though. So that's just hands on. Oh yeah, you very go into much the job so. and you're kind like, of throw oh. yourself in it and you sink or swim. So. That's great. So you're sitting there, and, and now as the season's going on, mm-hmm. show's getting bigger, yes. getting popular. And now what point did you know Kira Cedric wanted to leave? I think it was the last six months or so of uh, season seven. Uh, she had what could easily be called the largest speaking role in television up to that point. And she was on almost every frame of film. And the amount of discipline and work that woman puts in is 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 remarkable. And... and um, I can't say enough nice things about her. She was just a treat to work with. and But she, her contract was coming up. And I think for a lot of actors, there may be concern about getting uh, pigeonholed into a certain sort of role and not being able to be seen as anything else. So she had c- finished all of her contractual duties, and it was time for her to move on. I think she wanted to direct and produce, and I know she's gone on to do some of that and also do more features. So now you, as a team... Mm-hmm. Because you guys are a team. Yes. And she's basically your captain. Yes. The leader. I mean, like in any sport, mm-hmm. there's always a leader. Now, when she was leaving, did you all worry about if the show would stay around or would it, would it be in limbo or what, what was going through your there mind? There were definite concerns about that. And the last couple of stories, one in particular, I think it was the, the very last story, we introduced a new character called Rusty Beck, who was this throwaway kid uh, who ended up having to fend for himself on the streets, which... Uh, there are a lot of statistics out there, but um, boys of his age who were left alone on the streets within 48 hours end up having to sell themselves for food and shelter or whatever. But So this made a, a, the possibility for a great transition with our new uh, nemesis, Captain Raider, who had been on the show for a couple of years. So she began to be looked at more as the her replacement. So I want to say she's almost like the stepmother. So we lose our mom, we lose uh, uh, Kira Sedgwick, and we get the evil stepmonster. You know, who is who is Sharon Raider. And she in turn ends up taking care of Rusty, who was Brenda's charge before. Okay. And so in the first episode of Major Crimes, James Duff, who is the creator and has final edit on the show, said to the audience through the through the mouth of Rusty Beck, Look, I don't know you and I don't like you. And then Ru- Sharon says to him, uh, speaking as if uh, she's almost the audience, saying, Well, this this is all I've got left. You know, you've got me, and if you want, if you're waiting for Brenda, you're at the end of a very long line. 
So. So now, when did you find out though? After the season, I mean, I know there was a transition. Yes. But like anything, you know how networks are. It's like, yes. hey, uh, yeah, you'll be on. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, they changed the name of the show um, for a couple of different reasons, but then they or- they made an order of ten because they weren't sure how it was going to work out. Well, our audience, our fan base is so big and so strong, they stuck with us anyway. There were a lot of people who said, mm, we miss Brenda too much. We're not going to stay with you guys. But a majority of the people did stay, and they in turn invited their friends and family to come and watch with them. And that's one of the things I like about our show is that I hear over and over again. It's not just a show for, for mom or for dad or, or for you know for the guys or the girls. Everybody gets together and watches this show because there's something for everybody. Well, that's for me. I'll be honest. Like I didn't watch The Closer. Okay. And, you know, and I just – because I was busy, and I didn't see yeah. it. And my girlfriend, she was always watching TV, mm-hmm. you know. And when we started dating, it was a long-distance relationship. We had known each other for years. And I don't even know when she was – it was just one of those things where I'd be at her place, mm-hmm. and she'd put a show on. Yeah. And I started watching it, and I agree with you. The thing I like about major crimes is, yeah, there's some major crimes. Sure. But it's lighthearted. I mean, the like, Provenza, he's just – that's a grump. Well, these are real and, people. I mean, they, they're not caricatures of themselves. And I, I think it's really representative of Los Angeles in general in that we have someone from every walk of life on the show. And that was done intentionally so that the, the show actually reflects what the city of Los Angeles looks like. Because the city itself is a character as well. You know, if you notice, when you look at the show, we, we take these beautiful shots of the city at nighttime and during the day. And we film on locations throughout the city, some really nice areas and some not so nice areas. So you get a, a feel for all of it. And you guys are uh, one of those shows that it's actually, you do show the nice areas and it gets in the vicinity. Because I've seen some shows, some cop shows mm-hmm. that I love. And I love Southland. Yeah. But all of a sudden you sit there and you see them, they're driving down Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, we got a call in uh, Bel Air. And yes. they're there in 10 minutes. I'm like, that would never happen. No, unless no, you're in a helicopter. Exactly. Yes. So now, so when the season that starts, the new major crime starts, mm-hmm. and now your is your role is your role still increasing? It's still getting bigger, yes. And my my character just went through this this uh, transition where he's become a uh, reserve officer, right? Which is really cool because I didn't even really know about the reserve programs um, until recently uh, when, when when they proposed this idea. So I thought that would be a great thing to touch on, and I've had the opportunity since then to meet a lot of reserve officers. And they told me that I'm doing a pretty good job representing them. Now, what is the reserve program? Uh, it's why well, I liken it to the National Guard. So it's so many hours a month. Um, it's when LAPD doesn't have enough manpower, and so they they bring in the reserves. And you have all the responsibilities and abilities of a policeman. There are three different levels of reserve officer. Uh, so depending on on the level, uh, it's whether you can carry a gun and what kind of work you can do, those kind of things. But they're called in mainly for, I would say. Traffic and uh, security details, and if you have special skills like speaking different languages that are in demand, uh, computer skills, those kinds of things, they'll make good use out of them. Now, they put you with a Provenza. Yes. And now that must have just been fun because the car scenes, I was cracking up. And, oh, yeah. And that, if people don't know, he was, Provenza can't figure anything out. If you don't watch his show, it's he was a guy who was in uh, Police, Police Academy. Police Academy and Mannequin and MASH. He was Rizzo. He ran the motor pool. Right. And, he yeah. always, and he always wears a hat. That's yes. what I love because I always wear hats. It's like I love that. horrible bucket hat. It's almost yeah. like a Gilligan hat. And you can tell he's got a good heart, but he's just a grump. And he sits there, and so, and your character is very, very wide-eyed and innocent, yeah, just innocent if you will. Innocent and yes. not really sure. You know, he's following the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, that must, you know, for people who actually do that, that must be a, a creepy ass job because oh, yeah, you never know what you're going to you see stuff. So now he, he, he stick you with Provenza. Did, mm-hmm. did they do that? Cause they thought it would be just funny. Cause it's you guys a great are so foil. Different. I mean, it's a pretty much uh, an odd couple in, a, in, but in a police station in a way, you know, there's, there's a great difference in our ages. There's a great uh, difference in our experience and a great difference in our attitudes toward life. So I think the two create a lot of conflict. That's, that's interesting. Uh, and it make, makes it funny, quite frankly. Now through major crimes, mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of fans? Like, do people, do you get, and especially since you carry the camera mm-hmm. and, you know, you you seem to be, you're not as techy as the other guy. Yes. But you are somewhat the camera guy. Mm-hmm. Do you get a, do, have you noticed like a certain kind of fan that reaches out to you that sits there and is like, hey, I know how to work that There's camera. There's a huge group of women in, in uh, South America that have banded together, uh, mostly in Brazil, and they watch the show. I don't know how they watch it but they watch it because uh, I don't know what the networks are down there. Uh, and they've all created this this network of friends down there. And it's pretty amazing. And I'm on, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all of that. But I get regular updates from the from these women down there. And they love, love, love the show and especially my character. 
what do you think they love about your character? Just because you're a caring guy, you're a nice guy? I and... think so because he's not a cop and I think they can, I mean, not a full-time cop, so they can relate maybe a little more readily to him and his experiences, you know, dealing with all this kind of stuff. Now, when you got to dress up like the cop. Yes. Okay. Were you excited for that? Because you, you Very like, much excited, yeah. You like the costumes. I do, yeah. And, uh, and I, I did background as a cop. And the thing mm-hmm. that bothered me was the, the- The belts are heavy. And the back, the, the nightstick, like oh, yeah. the one I did, I think, because it was from that show in the 80s. Okay, the so you had, yeah, that wooden one, right? Yeah and, yeah. and every time you walked, it hit you in the back of the leg. Yeah, I've got this really cool metal one, and it's retractable. Okay. And so, but then there's the mag light, which is that huge flashlight, and then the gun- and uh, the clips and the cuffs and the keys. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff on that belt. It's heavy. It and am- then the vest you're supposed to wear underneath it. The first first two episodes that I was, the first two days shooting that I was the cop, I insisted on wearing the bulletproof vest underneath. the. And it's a real bulletproof vest. Yeah. Okay. And it's hot. And so you've got that t-shirt on, you've got the vest on, you've got the, the shirt on, which is wool, which is a wool poly blend. And it's freaking hot, man, especially under those lights. Why did you want to wear it? Just because you wanted to get... get... I, I wanted to have the feeling of what it was like. but I, So I ended up taking it off because it was just too hot for me. And then wore the, the belt, which is heavy. And it, it just grates on your hips, you know, because it sits right there. It really makes me, you know, amazes me what actual police officers go through. Oh, definitely. Because... I mean, they're they're walking targets. And morning, the, the minute they get up in the morning, they put on that uniform, people are already angry at them. Yeah. Just because they're a cop. And they don't realize what it is that they, they face every day. And yeah, I mean, I mean, one of my friends is now a detective, which, you know, that's a lot easier because, you know, you just have a gun. Yes. But you think about the police on the street. I mean, you're right. It's like, you know, you're on set and you notice that the, the, uh, your belt is heavy, mm-hmm. but your gun's not loaded. No. You're not, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they use pretty much the same stuff, but I'm yeah. sure that in real life. It has to be a little bit heavier. And you think you go through that every day. I mean, and you get to sit there mm-hmm. and you can sit down and, and take it off. Yes. You get your break. But the cops, they, I, don't, I don't know how they do it. No, it's it's a long, it's a long, arduous process. But I've been lucky enough to go on a couple of ride-alongs with a couple of cops and down in uh, 77th Division. And it was an eye-opening experience. I mean, getting to see them at work and really what it is that they're, they're up against every day. How did that come about? Because I would think that would be... If I was doing a role mm-hmm. like you, I would want to do that. I've been I've been after them for a long time uh, to be able to do that. And recently, I I got to do it right before we got started with this season, before my character became a reserve officer, because I just wanted to see what it was really like to walk with them and to be as much in that world as I could possibly be. Uh, so I talked contacted one of our producers who was a robbery homicide detective for over 20 years with LAPD, and he he set that up for me. So and we're and we're good friends with the, the chief of police Charlie Beck. He loves our show. He loves what we do with it. So. You know, called in a couple favors, and I got to go right along with the cops one night. Did you go in the day or night? At night. Okay, so now, I mean, just tell me exactly, because this this is fascinating to me. What is that like? Like, you're getting in the car, now Mm -hmm. do you sit in the back? You have to sign a waiver first before you you get in there. you got to sign, if you get killed or you get injured, you cannot sue the LAPD, you you know, so you're taking your life in your hands. And the production and everything was okay? Uh, One of my producers went with me. Okay, so So now that you get in the car, now you Mm -hmm. sit in the back. I did sit, actually, I sat in the front. Okay, so you're in the front with a yes, cop, and, uh-huh. and you're in a neighborhood. And I sat on something which I thought was a seatbelt, so I went to move it, and it's like, oh, that's not the seatbelt. That's 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 a weapon. And it was actually a taser gun. Oh, my God. And, you're lucky you didn't taser yourself. And the drivers and the, the cop who was driving said, here, let, let me take that. I should put that away. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, that's so so you get in, mm-hmm. and they say, let's just drive around. So you just sit yeah. here, and then you're, I mean, I, I would think, too, it's like you don't, I mean, you want to want to react. There's sort of a sick fascination because you want to see something, (laughs) right? I mean, just to be honest, you do. You're sitting in a cop car and you're going out on a ride at night. You want to see something. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but at the same time, you want to, you know, feel what it's like out there. So was there any, was it an uneventful night or? It was eventful. There there were no killings that night, thank goodness. Um, There were a lot of people who had gone off their meds that night. And as a result, there were uh, family disturbances and, and public nuisance. Uh, one young lady was out running out in the street without any of her clothes on. She had just beaten up her family members, and it was because she had stopped taking her medication. Uh, so there were a lot of calls like that that evening, and I feel sorry for the officers having to deal with that kind of stuff. So when these things happen, you mm-hmm. just stayed in the car? Um, I got out of the car once it was deemed safe that that, that I could get out. Wouldn't yeah. you still be nervous? Because I always, and just, I mean, I know it's, and it's TV, but you mm-hmm. always see the cop show where somehow the guy gets out and I would, I would be You're always thinking that in the back of your mind. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, that must've been just a very, uh, I mean, did you feel scared? There was, uh, there were a couple of times when the helicopters were flying over 
and there was an incident at this building and the police officers just stay in the car if you hear shots just duck down get away from the glass so yeah <laughs> you know so now now after you did that did you feel a different when you went you went to be the reserve cop yes. in the show mm-hmm. did you feel like okay i really have to learn more about this this Oh, definitely. Spending one night with the police, you're not going to, you know, know everything it is. But I just wanted to see how these guys held themselves, how they stood, how they walked with all the gear. Um, I mean, I know how I do because when you're wearing the costume, uh, it changes your physicality a little bit just because of the weight and in, in different things. And um, I have to tell you, putting on that uniform made me stand a little taller, made me feel a little, a little proud. You know, that's cool it was though. Nice. So when you go to drive through, they they mm-hmm. give you a uniform. No, that no. one you don't know because you, you'd be basically impersonating an officer. So I, I was guess. just dressed like I am now, kind of. And we rolled up to one place, and the policemen that were already there thought I was part of IA Internal Investigation. If I let sure. Yeah, exactly. Now, did anyone recognize you during the drive through? Like people go. Hey, wait a second. You get, those, you get those looks sometimes where they're not sure where they know you from, but they think they know you. Yeah. So there were there were a couple of guys like that. So now, now after you do that, you feel good about, you know, you feel, no, do you, do you get a lot of emails? Do you, does, does your, does the, the, not the crew, the mm-hmm. cast, mm-hmm. do they get emails or tweets from actual police officers? Because, you know, we're in a time now where police We do, officers... actually, because we do a lot of work with in conjunction with the police. Uh, there's a couple of charity organizations, one primarily called the Sunshine Kids, the GW Bailey Heads, uh, and it's about helping kids with cancer. And the police, every year, we, we show up at one of the hotels in Hollywood, and the police deputize all the kids for that day, and they get to ride. They're assigned an officer and a car, so they ride from Universal City to our studio through Hollywood, lights and sirens on, all the traffic is blocked off, and so they race through the city to our studio uh, with an escort of the police. And then we take them to lunch, and we show them one of our episodes, and then we spend a day at the beach or at Disney or something like that with the kids. So the police have been very, very generous with their time and and, um, and their people in helping us with that. Well, I think it's also good because, as you said, you know, we said right now police walk out and they're afraid for their lives. And, yeah. And, and police... there are, let's, let's, let's be truthful. There are some bad cops out there. Oh, yeah. But the majority of them are there to do a good job. They're in it for the good for, for good reason. I always agree with that too, because I know you know, especially you see it on Facebook, people just go, "Oh, this." I'm like, yeah. you know, I have good friends who are police officers, mm-hmm. and I have one, you know, who's back. His name's Eric Potts, and he does stand up comedy now. He retired. He did his twenty odd years, and I had a guy I went to high school, with, and they're good people. Yeah. And the cops get a bad rap, and I think that's what's good about your show is because all your cops are they're they're nice yeah none of you guys are jerks i mean the one guy has the anger problems yes but but he's he's, he's but he's real too i mean these are nice. these are issues that he's facing as we all are because we're we're all people and everybody has the opportunity to be an asshole i don't care who you are oh yeah exactly so now but do you do you get actually letters from cops in different areas that sit there and go hey man you know we More like through social media i i get um likes and and uh, responses from different reserve officers and police saying, yeah, that's that's pretty much how we would do that. And I like what you guys are doing. Maybe this is a little weird, but that's not my division. So, but yeah, it's mostly always positive stuff from the cops. Now, what is it like when you're on a show that long? It's like I also I hear it's the same like on NCIS mm-hmm. that that the crew is basically pretty much your family. I mean, on the set because there's so many. I mean, you know, I mean, I know on NCIS there's people have been working for 12 years. I mean, yeah. you, you think anyone who's been at a job for 12 years and one and a, and it's your show successful and mm-hmm. I you're I think your shooting schedule is different because you do the half season because we premiere in the summer when other shows are either in reruns or they're off the air so our shooting schedule starts in March and then we because of our our order this year we we're not going to be done until January and we start up again in March so uh, wait, so you're wise. you're done in January well this year we're going to be done in January January 22nd is the last day of photography yeah. And then you start again we in start March. Back up in March. And now, how long does March go to? Uh, it'll probably go through October of this of next year. So, how many weeks do you have off? Because it's, I mean, you guys, how many episodes are you doing? Well, this year we're doing twenty-three. Okay, so you're doing uh, a real... last year we did eighteen, and I think the year before that we did fifteen, and then uh, the first year we did ten. Uh, but they kept adding episodes to our order this year, which is good. Now, when you when you came off the closer mm-hmm. and you went onto the show, we're in that first season. Were you? I think you mentioned a little bit because people, fans came to watch. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started watching because it's one of those shows I started watching. I go, hey, yeah. this is good. This is fun, and and I love what I love about it too is 
because of my cable, mm-hmm. it comes on at five. Okay. Or the early time when we record. So you get it. the New York for the East Coast feed. But what we do is then we watch Jeopardy, and after Jeopardy, sure. we watch it. and We can cut commercials out. Yes. And that makes it so much better because mm-hmm. you know how it is with commercials. I mean, oh yeah. I you know. I think it's a challenge a lot of the the media companies are facing now too, is because there's so many ways to watch programming nowadays. So you don't have to have cable anymore, and you don't have to sit there and watch the commercials. You can watch it on your phone, you can watch it on your iPad or, or whatever it is that you want to watch. So they're trying to figure out how to reach the most amount of people uh, with all this content. And I think it's a, it's a hard, it's a difficult challenge that they're facing. Now, your name is Philip P. Keen. Yes. Was there someone else in SAG or, or has you, have you always gone by Philip P. Keen? I've gone by Philip Keen most of my life. Uh, I added the P because I wanted my middle name to be represented there somehow. And on the card, it didn't look like Patrick would fit in there. So I just, the middle initial. But see, that's cool though because there's so many people that sit there and go, oh, I have this name like me. I'm sure there's Steve Cooper's in the in the guild. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, or something. But uh, so now after the first season mm-hmm. of Major Crimes doing well, you know you're going to get picked up again pretty much? or do- Pretty much, yeah. About, about three-quarters of the way through the season, uh, Network said, yes, you guys are doing great. Um, let's order another. Now, that must be a great feeling. It really is. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> just as basic it is. No, because you're sitting there, and all of a sudden you're going, hey, you know, it's like you, you know you're going back to work, and you're going back to work with your family. Exactly. And we go back into going back to what you mentioned about the crew, we have about an 85 or 90% retention rate with our crew, which is almost unheard of. Uh, it's just a really great place to be. And I think a lot of the people that work for us could possibly go someplace else to work and make more money. But because of where we are and who we are, it's such a great place to be. They continue to come back and play with us. I know a guy in your crew. Yeah. And I can't think of his name. What department does he work he in? He does, um, is it set design? He's uh-huh. got a He's got a big mustache. Okay. I think his name is Bob. I don't know. Okay. I know him from... Burbank, I see him around uh-huh. town. And okay. uh, yeah, because he does something, I guess, because I saw him on a truck one time doing, and they were doing okay. not set design. Well, Bob's a Bob, there's a Bob who's head of our transportation department. Now, this guy, this guy's not transportation, no. okay. but he's got a big, big bushy okay. tall guy. Kenny. Was I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's not Bob. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. So now, now during all this time, have you wanted to do any other projects or are you just, are you so busy? Because- oh, I would love to do other projects, but it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's, uh, it's fantastic to be on a series and be a series regular. And to be working so much, but you don't have time and you're not available for other things. Now, would you ever get like, I mean, on that, on those times off, is Mm -hmm. it, you probably want to enjoy your time? Yes, I do. And, but, and our time off is usually, uh, December, January, February. So December, pretty much the town is shut down and half of January and then pilot season starts. So they're looking for, uh, series regular roles and, uh, names and a bit big names to, to be in these things. So that cuts me out of at least half of that position, and then we're back in March. So I have maybe a three-week window, and so it's it's been tough. So now that you've been acting for a long time, mm-hmm. and you're making good money, yeah. do you travel more? Do you find yourself traveling the same, but traveling in better, like in better style? In better circumstances, yes, yes. And it's, it's odd you should bring that up, because when I was flying for Pan Am, I made very little money. Um, but I always had an airplane at my disposal. Right. I never had a car, but I could always get on the 747. <laughs> and to fly first class, say from London to LA, I could upgrade from my free coach seat to first class for fifty dollars. Okay. As, so yeah, I got used to it. So now, now what's the last what's the last few good trips you've taken? Um, last year I went to Paris for about a month, and uh, that was pretty pretty fantastic. And I used I'm pretty good with using my miles and stuff like that. So we flew out on United. Uh, using miles, we got uh, put up in first class, and it was two dollars and fifty cents. That's it. It was nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. They had some sort of weird little sale. So being able to work those miles and the times, it, it worked out really well. Now, did you check out the art scene when you like when you go because you mm-hmm. ha- you have that love for it? Have you still do you still keep following art, and do you still? Does I it... do. I still lo- love to go to the museums, and I, I like to use what I think I learned in in my classes and and try and, and apply that to what stuff that I'm looking at. Yeah. So, now, is, what's that new museum? Is it is the Broad? Is that what it is? Yes. Is it the Broad or the Broad? I'm not I sure don't how know. it's pronounced. I, I guess it depends, you know, what Where you're PC from? thing. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. If you're from Boston, it's the Broad. Okay. But uh, now, now, have you been there? Not yet. Okay, no. now, now, do you, do you, um, do you, I mean, how often do you like, do you, do you, what do you think of the L.A. museum scene? Like, I mean, knowing, because you've traveled the world mm-hmm. and you've seen a lot of museums, how does L.A. rate? Is it below New York? Is it below Philly? Because Philly's got the Great Art Museum. Or Yeah, what there's would... so many places in the, in the States that I haven't been, so, so I don't know. There, I have my favorites in, in France and England, and I've been to the L.A. County Museum a number of times. I think I'm a regular at the Getty. 
Um, so I go there all the time whenever friends come and visit. And the villa's great. Um, it, it's just different because the architecture here is, is so new and modern compared to those places in Europe, which I associate with more art museums. You know, I got a question, a major crimes question. Yeah. And it may be a... And if it's a secret, you can't tell me. But okay. is Duppy Demetrius a guy or a girl, and is that the real name? It's a guy, and that's his real name, yes. I always He's, he's got a, a beautiful wife and a, and a great little girl. I always crack up because I sit there, and I, it's one of those things, because you know, like sometimes when you watch like Family or The Simpsons, or they'd have all, yes. those all long names, and I'm like, that I... What, it sounds like a made-up name. Yeah, now yeah. what ethnicity is he? He's Greek. Okay, because I was sitting there going, that can't be... Mm-hmm. Duppy, yeah. and I'm like, but I love it because I, I don't know if that's a nickname or if that's his given name as a child. So <laughs> he wrote last night's episode. Yes, he did. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so. that was a heavy one too. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh yeah. god, you know it's so funny. Well, as I said, Joanne was in the court scene, mm-hmm. and so for her, when like, doing background, it's different watching it because I want to know what happens, but yeah. she already knows what happens. But now, does that ever does that ever uh, tax on you when you have because you have some dark things, and even last night with the cocaine yes, and the kid finding the and kid then in the, the box in the refrigerator does, does sometimes it's any of that like affect you when you go man this is this is this is pretty deep and i know you're only acting and it's mm-hmm. all set but when you see like a final scene or you see one of these scenes where someone they find a dead baby yeah i mean does that ever do you ever sit there and go wow this just this happens every day it's always horrible to think about those kinds of things and i think the more dramatic ones for me are where you don't actually see the crime happening and you don't see the body. I mean, last night we just, we just hinted at there was a hand and some hair and it's worse to me when you don't see these kinds of things because your imagination runs wild. But the fact that this goes on all the time is it's, that's, that's what bothers me. I mean, because our, our, our sets department and our props people, they, they, they make everything look as real as possible. And, but we know that that's not real, you know? So the emotion you have to dredge up and you have to create, but it's um, just thinking about it really happening on a day-to-day basis is pretty horrible. Yeah, it must be sometimes to sit there because you guys, as I said, your show is that's the good part. That is the looseness. Yes, brings it. It makes it not we as bad. We concentrate more on the um, the consequences of the violence and not so much the violence itself because that's where all of the drama plays out. I think you know, and what people have to live with as a result of that. Now, now, is uh, the guy Garcetti? Gil Garcetti, yes. Is, is he's he, one of our consulting producers. Is he related to... The mayor? Yeah. Yeah, he's his father. Is he? Yes. Okay, because I uh-huh. always wonder that thing, because I always sit there... Because there's your thing, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't write a line. You, you hear the names, right? Yeah, you, yeah. and I always see Garcetti, and I'm like, well, Garcetti? But I knew there was a Garcetti involved in, I believe, years and years ago in New Jersey in politics. And I'm like, okay. it's a name, and I was sitting there going, I wonder if he's... So that's, that's his father. Yeah, Gil Garcetti, who was the district attorney for the county of Los Angeles for a long time, is the father of the current mayor. So now how does that father come onto a job like that? Because years ago, James Duff, the creator of the show, needed to find, he was doing another show for ABC called The DA, uh, the district attorney. So he wanted to find out what would be the most ideal way to get a conviction uh, through through, through the DA's office. So he contacted Gil Garcetti, called him out of the blue and said, "Um, I'm gonna need to ask you some questions, but before we do this, I don't wanna take your information without you being paid for it so this is my representation you should call them make sure that i am who i am and get them to set up something for you so that you in turn will be compensated for your time so that's how he started this whole dialogue and as a result they've been working together now for i think 15 years isn't that amazing like you sit there and you think you know and it's some of these lawyers they're so smart it's like i I was watching the thing on the uh the oj civil trial Mm -hmm. and the guy who brought oj to justice let me say he was he had never even been in a courtroom, you know, and and you sit there and you go, wow, it's because that's such a high profile case, yeah. Too. And this guy's he was like a real estate lawyer, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. So now, now is there is there other cops? Is there? I mean, I just mentioned there's a police officer. Yeah, there, Mike, like, Detective Mike Burcham. Mm-hmm. So now he does. What is what does he do? Make it feel more realistic, or does he? Yes, he keeps us into the letter of the law and shows us actually what can really happen in 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 a police station, and the stories he tells of the guys that guys and women that he's brought in the, the criminals. They're not that smart, a lot of them, you know? Um, that's the reason they get caught, because they're, they're not that smart. And just some of the things that he's, he's done to, to get them to tell the truth is, is pretty amazing. He held one guy's face down on a copy machine, telling him it was a lie detector machine, <laughs> and ran the button, you know, like he was running copies. He said, look, it, this printout, it says you're lying to me. Look at it. And so the guy confessed. <laughs> See, I love that. Yeah. You're right. It's like you you, know, you want to write this stuff in, but no one's going to believe it. But it actually happens. See, that's the amazing thing. You know, we sit there, and I think now, like years ago, 
that's not you couldn't people wouldn't believe it but now no. because we have security cameras and youtube and people taking pictures we see really how dumb some people can be yes so now now do you get recognized a lot more now much more now since i've decided to keep my hair the same way <laughs> now now do they do they sit there and tell you how you have to dress because your your character's more the camera guy you can't you know you you can't outshine the other people. Pretty much so. And also because he's not a detective and so that I don't get lost in the shuffle, my my costumes are much different than, than the rest of them. So, you know, my character stands out a little bit more. Now, would you want to see a, you grow in a role as more of the reserve or are you happy what yes, you're doing now? Yes, I think now? Buzz would actually like to become a detective at some point. So he's actually now studying to become a reserve detective and he's going to be investigating the murder of his father. Okay, so now Buzz's father was murdered. Exactly, yeah, when he was 11. And so, but did we know that? Yes. Okay, so now, but... Uh, and that was the reason he didn't become a cop in the first place, because his mother was freaked out that if he became a cop, he'd get shot, and so, but he wanted to work for the police department, so we found a way in, and that's through the camera. Now, as an actor, mm -hmm. how exciting is it to sit there and you can change gears? Mm -hmm. I mean, that must be a great feeling, because you're, you're, you, people already like you, and yeah. your character, you're not going to change gears and become a jerk. That's, no. That's not going to happen. No. But how exciting is that just when you sit there and you go, wow, you know what? I get this whole story that people know. Well, it's a great know. arc to be able to play and to have growth in the character. I mean, we've seen that with pretty much all the other detectives. If they've had relationships. You've got to see their families and go home with them and things like that. So for me, for my character, who's been pretty much just like an office bug staying there for the most part, now we get to see more inside inside of him. Now, do you guys uh, are, are do you do you practical joke around on set? I mean, or is it oh, is it all straight the time, up? all the time? Like, what what is like a good practical joke someone will play? Um, well, this is pretty well known amongst the cast. I mean, everybody knows this, but uh, we have a couple of of uh, castmates who uh, like to take naps in the afternoon, and sometimes those naps may come a little earlier than expected. So we'll put little notes on them. Like, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> See, <that's... laughs> and we'll take little pictures of them and stuff. So it's just it's just silly stuff. So now, the, do we know how long the series is going to go? I mean, like, how, do, do, is there a deal signed to be so many more years? Or I mean, how does that work when you are a long running series? Mm -hmm. And and also at some point, do you think anyone will get tired mm -hmm. and say, you know what? We've ran our cycle. I mean, how does that work? Because it twelve well, the years writers have been great about keeping the stories fresh, you know, and creating new obstacles for our characters to overcome. And with uh, Kira leaving, that created a whole new dynamic to the show because primarily, uh, with the closer, it was primarily one single point of view. It was Brenda's, which was fantastic because it allowed us to be here now with major crimes with uh, multiple points of view. So we have it through the eyes of Sanchez and, and Tao and Provenza and, and everybody else that's there. Um, and I know we've got, just got picked up for our fifth season for next year and hopefully, you know, we'll get a couple more out of that as well. Now, as an actor, do you ever feel like, you know, do you feel like, well, you're growing out of that role just because. Yeah, because it's been almost 12 years now. And, um, I know, I know, I know for me personally, I feel much older than my character. Okay. And so that, that makes it challenging at times. I mean, it's always nice to be able to play younger if you can. But at the same time, your your mental, your your brain is telling you, wait a minute, I wouldn't do that. Well, you of course you wouldn't do that, but the character does that because of who they are. Now, would you, I mean, because you've worked this long, mm -hmm. now, let's say in three years the show's done. Mm -hmm. What would you do? Would you can keep acting or would you find another path? Because it seems like you've been lucky mm -hmm. in your paths of how you, I mean, yes. from a one page to 12 years and as mm -hmm. i said it's a very i mean in hollywood standards you are maybe the four percent that has been on a it's show it's pretty rare that we get you know anybody gets to do this right yeah so what would you would you still want to act or what would i would you love do? to be able to act still i would love to as long as people will still have me and eventually maybe um learn how to direct now have you asked to direct any episodes because i know a lot of times oh no 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 that's that's a whole kettle of fish that i'm not going to get into right now <laughs> okay no because i've yeah. heard i've heard some actors mm -hmm. going you know, they oh they do her. yeah uh in, and it's great for them i just i don't have the training at this point okay you know but you don't think you picked it up in because you seemed very you were very smart in the mm -hmm. beginning to look you know how everything works and you're around it i mm -hmm. mean i'm sure directing you know because you're talented i think you could just walk in and not that you just walk in but uh -huh. you, you but you've been versed mm -hmm. you've you've i mean you're learning has come from 12 years on set and being there absolutely you're right uh, but it's also one of those things where for me personally i feel that i don't know that i would be able to maybe it's just a fear of mine go into my home if, if you will major crimes after maybe having gone through the training program program and say to them okay you guys 
you've all been working much longer than I have, and you know your craft really well. Now I'm going to tell you what to do. Right. So I, I don't know how that would that would play out. Now, uh, what are your holiday plans? Now you're done. Mm -hmm. You did a table read today. We did a table read today, so that episode will start shooting on Friday. Um, and then I think Friday's our last day for our until our break, and then um, come back on the uh, right after New Year's, I believe. Okay. So now, how how many days does an episode take? Does it? Um, our shows take between seven and a half and eight days to shoot. And and, we, and that ends up being, I think, 43 minutes of, of television. That's and you, a new TV hour. And you don't know what, you don't always know what, you're not in every day. Uh, not every day, but usually six out of the seven. I'm, I'm, I'm there. So you're working a lot. Yeah, it's good. Do you enjoy, now, now, you know, I have to ask this. Mm -hmm. You're on set. Do you eat all the crafty? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because season five of The Closer, I had an affair. I had an affair with the craft services cart. And I gained 40 pounds. It's unbelievable. It's horrible. Wait, you, you gained walk, 40 pounds? Yeah, on this frame. So it was not good for me. So we no. had to break up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because a few times I've done it, I was yeah. saying, I, I never eat donuts. I don't mm -hmm. know when the last time it's donut, but I'll tell you, you walk by. They and look see, good. You go, oh my God. And you smell like, them in the morning oh. and they're still warm and there's that coffee. Oh God, and it's crazy. I mean, yeah. I've, I've honestly, I think I've, I've done it a few times. I've, I've, I've done it for like five months mm -hmm. trying to get it. I put on like pounds. I'm like, oh my okay. God. Because you don't, you don't think it's bad no it's just one piece here one piece there and it's and then always before, there and then it's 16 always... you've been on set for 16 hours and but you know by the time you know it you've eaten the the giant size bag of the m&ms so the season uh ends when does the season end we have two more episodes that are airing um on the next two mondays uh those will be our last two episodes of our winter season and then we have five episodes coming out in february sometime are we having a cliffhanger uh Do you know it's I don't think it's a cliffhanger so much, no. But this, this, the next five, the last five episodes that started in February, it's all one murder, it's all okay. one story. So each episode is going to be a day in that case. Okay, now is that some first time you've done something like that for our show? Yes. See, that's great. You know, and one thing also is good is you guys can have a cliffhanger because I'm tired of like because I know you guys are coming back. Yes. But I'm tired of watching shows and there's a cliffhanger and then they don't come don't back. Know if they're coming back, yeah. Now that's is amazing. I mean, I mean, just it's amazing for you that like when you see other actors you know who, mm -hmm. you know, shows get canceled. I mean, here you just you've been living I'm in a, a life. rarefied world and I I am so happy to be there. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. We have like 2 minutes left. Okay. Now, any any Christmas traditions? You doing anything special? Uh, no. Um, New Year's though. Uh, we're going to be I'll be making a 17-pound rib roast. Ooh. And uh, everything that goes with it, the vegetables, potatoes, and all that kind of stuff. And I like to stay in. After being out in the public for so long, you know, flying and being in the food service industry, the last place I want to be is in a room full of drunk people. And especially on New Year's exactly. when they're drunk and they notice you from TV. And they're on the road. Yeah, and forget like, it. No. Like, hey, and they're like, hey, man. Hey, what's going hey, on? It's Buzz. <laughs> hey, Buzz. Are you Buzz? And you're yeah. like, oh, my God. I haven't heard that enough. Yes. So, uh, so now, now, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, um, and I don't have a private page or anything like that. I probably should, but I don't. No, you don't, because you know, you know. then you get people, no, because I contacted you. Mm -hmm. I sent you a message yeah, through Facebook, exactly, and that worked fine. Mm -hmm. And so now that, now do you tweet? I do. I do. I usually do it on Monday nights when the show is airing. Do you, do you uh, live if I, tweet? If I'm not, I do. I do live tweet. If I'm not shooting that night, I usually sit down in the producer's office, and they're on a live Facebook chat, and then I'll do live tweeting, and then um, I'm not great at Instagram. I, I do play with it once in a while. What is your Twitter handle? It's uh, Philip Keen. Yeah. And you have two L's in the Philip. Yes, I do. Okay, so Philip Keen. And yes. then how about uh, Instagram? It's uh, Philip Keen at uh, Instagram. Yeah. Now, now, what do you tweet when you're live tweeting? Just what's going on in the episode? Oh yeah, I'll ask. I'll ask uh, the fans where where they're watching. Cool. You know? And so it's great. We get them in Slovenia, in South America, in Western Europe, and all over the place. Well, that's great. I want to thank uh, you for coming on. Hey, thank you very much. I'm glad we worked this out. If people, if no, it's yeah. he's so busy, and then there's certain times that you go there, so we worked it out. But if you do yourself a favor, people, watch Major Crimes. It's 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 just a good show, and you, you watch it, and it and you'll love the characters because they're just they're fun. So follow him, please follow him on Mondays when you can tweet. Also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Instagram. I'm at Cooper Talk One. I just do random stuff on Instagram. A lot of uh, how to eat healthy and cheap. Even though we don't, you didn't hear about the craft services. Uh, my website is CooperTalk.net. I have over 450 episodes. You can email me at Cooper at CooperTalk.net. If you have an Android uh, tablet or phone, go to the Google Play Store. Bite the buy the Cooper Talk app. 
It's uh, all my episodes. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And if you want to go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, look up my book, StopTheSalt.com. Well, you can StopTheSalt.com is my website, but I'm leaving, so I won't be able to mail it to you. But it's 120 low-sodium recipes cooking for one. When I have my health problem, I did the book. I put the book together. So if you order it after Christmas, I'll be here. I'll sign it for you, and I make more money. But if you want to order it before Christmas, go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Look up Stop the Salt, and you can find it because that's what it's all about. So I want to thank you guys. I hope you have a great Christmas as you listen. Christmas is, I'll be on the plane, actually, if you're listening on Friday. I'm flying back Friday, Christmas Day. So remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week.